Happy Labor Day, everybody. I'm still I'm still at a barbecue, so mm. <laughs> too bad y'all can't be enjoying this. <laughs> um the um something that uh, came out of uh, discussion um with several of us who were involved in uh, uh, Voices of the Middle Ground last week um was about um well I think first we started talking about how uh going to prison for for some people that's kind of like a rite of passage um instead of being viewed as oh gosh this is the the worst thing in the world something to avoid it's like no it's inevitable and uh, it's something you go through kind of as part of achieving your your identity is uh whatever as a man as a full full-fledged member of your group um and that came to uh, brought us around to a, a phrase that somebody brought up identity flows out of relationships so the, the the norms of your community the norms of the people that you associate closely with those are going to become your norms um that's that's inevitable uh why the stuff that you think is normal well uh, for people that are outside of your group it's not normal for them necessarily um uh, so the idea of uh, going to prison as a rite of passage might seem like, what? That's crazy. But that's not your community. Uh, so, you know, recognizing that and uh, finding ways to bridge that gap uh, and also leading people to say, okay, what are God's norms? Uh, what, are the co- the, what are the community values and the community way of thinking of, of God's family the god's kingdom that's these are some of the challenges we have um i'll and just let me let me bring up this story first to get get you thinking about uh, the different norms uh and how those form your identity um i'm thinking back several years ago uh one of the guys uh, i work with was going off on uh illegal immigration uh and, and he I, this wasn't a conversation this is a rant and uh uh he had this this uh mantra what part of illegal don't they get and after a while i said hey wait a minute wait a minute uh on the dashboard of your car there's a little device i've noticed what is that device he said it's a radar detector i said uh-huh uh what's that for it's for evading radar. It's so that he can go as fast as he wants to and not get caught. Um, okay, so this is your way of doing something illegal. But but this was the thing. Now, that's that's an acceptable illegal act in, in the norms of his community. Speeding and evading, uh, getting caught for speeding. Yeah, illegal, but acceptable illegal. But, you know, Crossing the border into my country uh, without permission, that's not an acceptable illegal. Well, you know, who makes those decisions? Well, the, the, the community that you're in. Uh, the norms of your community becomes your norms. And your identity and your values flow out of relationship. Uh, so just recognizing that and then stepping back and saying, uh, okay, those might be my community's values. Those God's values. Those, are, those might be my community's values. Are those the values of the people that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to? Do I need to understand uh, where they're coming from? Do I need to understand uh, how they formed their values, what the communities are, so that we can put our heads together and communicate finally? And that's a really interesting story that you bring up because what, really what you did there is take something that he's familiar with and kind mm-hmm. of bring that into the conversation to help him understand uh, where you're coming from. And, and also that can probably also help him to kind of understand more of the nuances of these kinds of conversations so that it's not just um, a straightforward, um, basically an, an attacking posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is so hard to do. He was just ranting so much as like I wanted to say, just shut up. But yeah, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. Nor does Maxim's like uh, what part of illegal don't they get? Uh but we move beyond that. Um but what about the rest of you? How have you seen those things occur where uh you uh the community that you're part of, your close community 
forms your identity, forms your values, forms your uh, 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 norms. Um, what's have you seen that happening? Well, the the mantra that we use in jail quite a bit in our relationship discussions is, you know, what you live with, you learn. What you learn, you practice. What you practice, you become. That becomes your normal. Okay. And you don't question your normal until hmm. you bump into something different. Wow. You don't question your normal until you bump into something different. Yeah, until it's challenged like in it. some way. And wow. so, I mean, so I hear that for myself in that sense of I'm listening to somebody describe something they're doing or we're doing. And I'm just going, that's just nuts. That's crazy. That's nothing I would ever do. But then I have to stop and think, well, but that's their normal. You know, that's how they've lived their life. That's how they've had to live their life. And to, you know, so I've had somebody um, that I've been working with and, and been around for like 10 years and coming out of jail and on the outside when he's been doing things, there's certain things he does. And it's just like, well, that's crazy. That's, that's not normal, but it, it's my, you know, but then he explains it to me, but you know, this is how I've had to live my life and I am making some changes. Right? I'm making some changes, um, but again, he's not to my normal yet. He's still in his with some changes taking place. And so from that perspective of, of seeing a person who was formerly incarcerated, um, you know, to be patient with them as they make these, uh, these changes in their life from their normal to a new normal for them, but it's not necessarily my normal. And that's what I have to keep in mind always. Okay. So, um, Phil, there was um, there was a story uh, specifically that you wanted to bring up, if I'm not mistaken, about your experience um, with uh, corrections and this sort of um, rite of passage type of deal. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just uh, fairly recently talked with a man uh, who's incarcerated right now, uh, and he was really concerned the the day of our bible study because uh his uh he had a, a a relative who had just gotten arrested uh charged with a really really serious crime and this was a big fat first for that that relative of his uh and he was really concerned for this this relative because now he's going to be going into into prison and the reason that that was a big concern for him he said um he's never been in trouble before he's never gotten arrested and he said and that's not like the rest of us in the family all the men in the family basically we've all gotten arrested we've all spent time in and out of jail uh i can't remember how many times he'd been uh he'd done time but um he he said this guy never has this is the first time now he's uh in his mid-30s first time ever getting locked up and he's going to be locked up for probably for quite a long time after what he did uh so he was saying you know the rest of us we could do that time that's not a problem but him i'm scared for him that's a, his, this 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 norm of uh doing prison time is just it's something that happens right of passage all us guys do it um and then somebody in his, his family who who had avoided that rite of passage for all this time, and now all of a sudden, whoops. Uh, and, of course, he was scared, too, because he's starting to think, uh, how much did I have to do with this? Uh, how much was I a contributing factor to this? Uh, all of us saying, hey, it's, it's no big deal. Uh, and now he's having to experience it, and uh, for, I don't think he's ready for it. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, like, how, how often is this the case that these, these types of things happen? Um, do you see that with your work in prisons? Hmm. I think very often uh, the, when you've got that norm, uh, it's, they've been, it's been happening uh, all along. You know, I, I talk to so many people, it breaks my heart, that they've been, they'll describe how you know, a guy in his 40s uh, saying, uh, I've, since first time I got arrested was when I was 15, I've spent more time locked up than free since then. It's like, ah, oh, that's, that just breaks my heart. Uh, but it just feels normal. Uh, he's only just starting to question, is this normal? Yeah. 
I, I think that um, that's probably one of the things that kind of goes back to uh, how we're referring to it, uh, which is as a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Because a rite of passage are something that have uh, that have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in and of themselves, they're not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, when it when it comes to being in communities um, where what we're seeing is people um, whose identity is kind of being formed in this way, then that's when it kind of leads into something negative. Mm. I think you know, something else we can kind of look at here um, is going back to the stages of like psychosocial development, because mm. around the time when people are, uh, people are performing these rites of passage, they're, mm. they're usually within, within that adolescent age group. Yep. And that kind of takes us into uh, where people are forming identity and identify, identifying with with their group and and kind of all of the things that they've been exposed to in the past and the things that are part of their community kind of come to together to kind of to kind of form that identity. Mm. Um, yeah, that 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 uh, thing about adolescence that that just I hear that echoed over and over again. I've been locked up. Uh, for years starting when I was usually about 15, 16. Yeah. When you, when you talk about the rite of passage, Phil, um, do you see that as, as something, again, kind of, it seems like you're talking about in that norm, mm -hmm. you know, the normal of their life. Um, mm -hmm. I guess when I first read that, that, that passage, rite of passage, I was thinking it's mm -hmm. like, it's like almost a challenge. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. How much of that do you see? You know, or, or somebody feels like, well, I have to do this because that's yeah inevitable, I, but also it's what I need to do to be a man. That, yeah, that, that, uh, I have to do this. There's not, you know, what choice do I have? This is what, what happens. Yeah, that I have to do this to be a man. I think you're right that you, you described it well. I, I've, I have seen that repeatedly. Um, then I would offer the other side of the, I have to do this again, as a norm that, you know, maybe we don't understand and not being in a situation where this is what I have to do to survive. This is what I have to mm. do to put food on my on the table yep. for my kids. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so when I say that, you know, I have to do it. I, I, I saw two different sides to that one with, it's like, mm. look at me, but then also this is what, this is the way we survive. Mm-hmm. And without, uh, as I said before, identity flows out of relationships. Uh, uh, we no human being is survives on their own. We we form groups always, and uh, uh, I need that group. I need I need to be continue to be accepted by that group. And uh, uh, man, if I don't follow certain norms, I won't have this group connections. And in some, I. I I've talked to so many people that are, are living in places where I need to have this group to survive, not just because it's more pleasant, but uh, this is survival. Uh, I need their protection, their physical protection. Uh, and sometimes that, that results in the, the young uh, arrest. Um, uh, I'll, I'll take the heat for this because I'm still a juvenile and they won't come down as hard on me as they would for the rest of you guys that uh, are of the age of majority. Mm -hmm. Or somebody who's got a couple of strikes against them already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take this one for you. Um, I've heard that as well. And again, mm -hmm. it sounds so bizarrely not normal. And yet, that's how your relationships survive yep. in those situations. Yeah. Right or wrong, that's how they survive. Mm-hmm. Ah. Hey, um, Phil, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Um, pick away. I might take us back a couple of steps, but then I want to take us also forward a bit. Um, so, and and this is an exercise that um, that others can do as well, kind of as they're thinking through this topic. Um, Phil, how would you describe yourself? What is your identity? Ooh. Huh. How would I describe myself? Yeah, boy. Uh well, let's see. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm, I'm Laura and 
Kyle's father and Pam's husband. I'm uh, uh, Sam and uh, Finley's grandfather. Um, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Um, I, uh, I let's see, I play guitar. I ride a motorcycle. I, uh, um, hmm, and I make my living with institutional ministries, uh, kind of dopes, thugs and dope fiends are us. Uh, I don't know. Those are some of the things I guess I would bring up. I think if we, if we take a second and look at how you've just stated your identity, a lot of that is based on relationship. And I would guess that even the things that you've stated that aren't necessarily having to do directly with the relationships, there are probably things about those that have to do with relationships that kind of have made those things part of how mm -hmm. you would identify yourself. Would I be right in that? Or Absolutely. Yeah. I, I play guitar because of relationship. I, it was, that was a rite of passage kind of, I, uh, um, tried out for a play when I was, uh, what was I 21, uh, Waukesha Civic Theater put on, was holding auditions for the sound of music. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'm not doing much of anything this summer. And uh, um, at the end of the tryouts, they uh, told me, uh, Mr. Merton, in three weeks, you are going to learn the part of Captain Von Trapp and you are going to play Edelweiss on the guitar. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't play the guitar, but uh, I I like these people. I'd formed this, you know, okay, they, they've accepted me into their group and into this play. So I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. And I did. Mm -hmm. I ride a motorcycle because uh, my, my wife bought a motorcycle and was starting to ride. So I thought, okay. No, she doesn't ride anymore, and I still do. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of that, um, even as even as you've explained it in your own life, has to do with the, the value that's in that relationship. Hmm. And something that we might not necessarily think about um, I'm going to quote, um, well, not really quote, but kind of reference something from the official journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, which basically in this article from them, what they do is they look at kind of the impact that having a parent who is in prison or jail has on adolescents. And what you find is that kind of as, as you look through that, people who are people who grow up in these environments also are exposed to to challenges like economic disadvantage moving around from place to place mm. primary caregiver disruptions exposure mm. to other um, parental figures who are non-biological and then also the the stigma that's associated with that mm -hmm. and so as as we're talking about people who are at this stage where, where they're going through like this process of going through like these rites of passage, mm -hmm. part of, part of that is going to come out of just like being exposed to these cycles and the disruptions mm -hmm. that are there and this brokenness that's kind of there. Have you seen that kind of in your own work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That, uh, uh, so often I hear from guys, uh, who are now fathers, they, they'll say, I swore I would never be the kind of father that my father was to me. My father was never there. Uh, uh, I was going to be there for my kids. And here I am in prison. I turned out to be exactly the kind of father I had. Mm -hmm. I think, too, about the other uh, ways that uh, uh, undergoing that rite of passage. Uh, okay, it's maybe what I have to do for myself. But what about the other people that I'm, I have relationships with? What, how does it affect them? I I'm, now I'm thinking of this one woman I met at a uh, a prison uh, ministry conference once. Uh, I asked her, how did you get involved in prison ministry? And she said, well, it's because of my son. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's going through a prison sentence right now. And uh, this because of, of that, I got interested not only in you know what's going on in prison, but ministering to people in prison. And and I asked her, well, how long a bit does your, your son have? And she said, life. And she was a young woman. And I'm thinking, wow, she's, she's got a life sentence. That's if, if somebody you, you love is uh, doing prison time, you're doing prison time. That's, that's one of those uh, uh, unintended consequences of uh, going through this, this rite of passage. Mm -hmm. And if I could take it you know, forward 
how these relationships are impacted, even when somebody is done serving their time. Mm-hmm. Just had a conversation with a young man at the dog park yesterday, and we just started talking. And he asked what I did, and you know, do his chaplain work, and he and I talked about some things that I was looking into, and then he said, "Well, you know, I've got some, you know, kind of personal things here." His his father had served a felony sentence, I think, before he was born, and you know, notice that, of course, there are still things to this day, which is 20, 30 years later, that are still following him and impacting his father's life. But he also talked about how those things impacted his life. And he said, okay, so as a felon, my dad could never get a gun. And then he couldn't take me hunting. And as a felon, he had difficulties getting jobs. And so he had to put together two or three jobs in order to make ends meet. And so he wasn't around much, you know, so in his clean, you know, clean time, done serving a sentence time, and yet still serving a sentence that's impacting the relationships around them. And I think that's something when, you know, we think of, again, congregations welcoming, you know, the formerly incarcerated, understand what are some of these ongoing things that impact these relationships mm-hmm. in their life, you know, going forward. But it's very, very uh, interesting to hear some of those ongoing challenges yeah. and impacts, not, not being gone in prison, but actually just carrying that you know, F behind his name, hmm. how that impacted this son, son's life. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm hearing kind of even in the narrative that you're, um, that you're giving us about uh, this person and th- the life that, that they lived is kind of one of the negative effects of what happens when we have a, a criminal justice system that's more uh, punitive as opposed to hmm. restorative. That mm-hmm. it, it it really causes more brokenness than it, than it heals anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The ripple effects are just, you know, they go out so far that you, we don't even fully understand them from our side of things. You know, and your, your go-to solution for social problems is prison. Uh, You're you're not solving social problems. You're, you're causing new ones. Yeah. Well, we've, we've kind of talked about, rites of passage uh, in this more negative sense, but as we alluded to earlier, rites of passage are also something that uh, that we see kind of on the positive side of things. Going back to Judeo-Christian culture, I would say, um, even if we look at things like uh, bar mitzvahs uh, on the one hand, and then also kind of as I was looking into this topic, um, so a verse uh, or a couple of verses that really stood out to me where like in second Timothy, where Paul is talking to Timothy, specifically second Timothy three, 14 through 16, where when Paul is telling Timothy, but as for you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know, those from whom you learned it and how from infancy, you have known the Holy Mm. scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation Mm. through faith in Christ. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So even even in that passage where Paul is talking to Timothy now as a teacher, he's referring to things that happened in that Timothy was taught even in his youth. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, want to kind of put this out here for us um, as we're having this conversation also to kind of look at the kind of the flip side of rites of passage and wondering if either of you have anything that you would kind of want to add to uh, to that side of things. And I'll get to why in a minute, but um, yeah. I'm not sure if this uh, quite applies, but I do. Another thing I have, I have observed with so many uh, people I talk to in prison, um, they, um, I think they, at some point, probably several points in their, their childhood, they had somebody who took them to church. Uh, they, they heard the word of God. They, they, they sang the, the church songs. Uh, they, they went through church and for a lot of them, uh, they're now that they're looking at where their choices have gotten them, they're not liking it. They, they're thinking back that they, a different way was presented to me. Maybe I need to reexamine that. Uh, there was something good there. So that, that I, maybe it's a rite of passage of the, you know, the, the men have the rite of passage. Well, got to get arrested sooner or later. Uh, maybe their the mothers and the grandmas uh, had that rite of passage. I got to get these kids, kids to church. I got to get them exposed to Jesus early on. And God bless those women. 
just like uh, Timothy's uh, mother and grandmother. Mark, do you have any thoughts on this as well? Or? Well, I was kind of thinking the same things that Phil was just referencing, or guys will bring up a lot of the, you know, brought up in the church and that. But And that does become a something that they can grab onto as something they can go back to, something that they can reconnect with, maybe in a healthier way, a new way, but mm-hmm. inform where they are. But it, what rights, what rights, what rituals, what um, discipline do you follow now? What becomes your normal routine? And something, you know, in jail, in prison, you've got nothing but time to, to uh, do things with. And, and I think some of the most successful people are ones who set up their own routine in the midst of a lot of chaotic routine because they don't keep anything normal there it seems like but if they you know every day i do this every day i do that and how much of that can you carry forward once you get out and i always you know tell guys you, you might not be able to do all of that because you've got other obligations once you get out but what kind of thing can you sustain and keep doing what's going to be a grounding point every day mm-hmm. reading a devotional doing your prayers kind of coming back to some of that childhood routine that you had and i think that's mm-hmm. why you know sometimes uh i feel like a lot of people gravitate towards um islam in jail because there's a real set routine mm-hmm. five times a day for prayer how many times a day for prayer and uh, uh because they're just looking for something that grounds them always mm-hmm. into a new new pattern had a man uh, uh in one of my groups just recently uh he, he was just really, really concerned about all the guys that are starting to come to the end of their sentences that he said, uh, do, do you guys, do you have a plan? You got to have to, you have to have a plan without a plan, you know, failure to plan, plan to, fa- to fail and all of that. He, he was really concerned. Start developing those habits, those structures now, just like what you're, you're talking about. I, well, I think too, how um, with that's, that's a, difficult thing to start to think of a plan and follow a plan as to form a structure when you've been in survival mode for so long but you you're you're you get purely reactive you're you're not thinking more than one step ahead you're just reacting you know it's i think we've talked about this before how the uh, the more you get traumatized the more repeated the earlier the trauma the more the, the less the the frontal Part of your brain is uh, getting the juice it needs, the thinking, planning part, and it's just the, it's the midbrain that's getting the juice, the reactive part. So I'm just in this purely reactive mode. I'm not thinking ahead. But the good news there is that love heals brains. Uh, the more uh, you're you're with people who, who who care about you, who show care, who listen to you, who let you talk, tell your story, they listen and don't judge. Uh, the more that starts to reverse and uh, front part of my brain is starting to get the juice again. I'm, I'm starting to be able to think ahead because my brain is getting healed because people love me. Now, this is where we we got this important job to do for anybody coming out of that life. Love, love them peoples. Listen to them. And I think um, just as we've been talking here, uh, there there are two things that are kind of on my mind um, is is areas uh, for ministry that we that we might miss if if we're not careful. And I would say the first one is um, kind of going back to uh, what both of you mentioned earlier when I um, when I asked about the positive side of rites of passage. And both of you kind of mentioned uh, mothers and grandmothers kind of uh, getting their children to to go to church and to kind of be involved in that. And what I would what I would say for, for that is is that uh, one of the things that churches should probably be mindful of kind of in the, in the course of that is that if there is a mother or a grandmother that's kind of in the, in the life of, of that person that's now uh, incarcerated or that's coming out of incarceration, there's probably also um, a feeling of guilt that might be associated with that. And that that's, that's a, that's a ministry opportunity or a chance for churches to kind of walk alongside the family members, because if there, if there is that, that guilt that they're feeling, that might not necessarily be something that, um, one, it may not be something that they feel necessarily comfortable that they can, they can voice in a church environment. Um, and, um, two, that's just, that's an area where, where we can meet people where they're at. 
Um, and before I get to the second thing that's kind of on my mind, I'll uh, I'll let you, Phil, and you, Mark, um, speak to speak to that. If there's anything that you kind of like to add to that, I know you talked about you know obviously when somebody's feeling guilt, we start thinking forgiveness, um, and that whole thing of our baseline is God's forgiveness of them, God's continuing love for them. And then their ability to love themselves. And that seems to morph into people are able to love themselves as they're loving others hmm. too. I mean, the, the three kind of run, but in some study I've done in that area, was, it, it, the person said, it's like, yeah, the, the person that's really struggling to love themselves actually when they, when they're actually reaching out and loving others, they can say, oh, see, I'm not, I guess I'm not such a bad person. Hmm. They can start to love themselves a little bit more right. in that respect. So there's, there's that positiveness of, of giving, but obviously listening, listening to these people, you know, what is, what are they carrying with them being, a, being quick to listen um, and, and uh, you know, really uh, being willing to let somebody talk about what they are going through and not cutting them short too quick or not giving quick mm -hmm. fixes. But really mm -hmm. letting them dig deep into what's all the dynamics of this relationship because it flows back and forth between you know you feel a, a victimization you feel that you've done something you know back and forth from victim mm -hmm. to, to perpetrator sometimes you know this person really hurt me but then i think i've really let them down mm -hmm. and just kind of breaking it down for people to say oh let's let's just look at one side of it for right now and then the other side taking the time to walk slowly through that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Mark, earlier um, in your answer to that question, one of the things that you mentioned is that if, as people love, um, that, that, can, that can help to deal with some of that guilt. But I'd imagine there are some times when that isn't necessarily the case. Um, kind of if someone is in that position and, and that that isn't necessarily something that kind of i don't know if take takes care of the guilt is exactly what i want to say but if that's not something that that they find is is helping to deal with that like what are some other some other ways and and how can um, a church environment help to um, kind of provide that for them well the church environment needs to show that love and demonstrate god's love and I mean, there's the, the message that we preach, the message that we share that has to be out there constantly. And then just seeing that example demonstrated again and again within a congregation is going to help. And in the in the in that description of you know, loving somebody else, it in that particular context really means a lot of just just wishing the best for that person. I, I'm. Hmm. It's not stepping in, you know, it's not hugging. It's not the, the kind of you know, intimate love or anything like that, but just a, a, a well wishes, well wishes mm -hmm. for that person, which may sometimes mean I'm praying to God that somebody can be there for that person and help them because mm -hmm. I'm not, I can't cross that boundary. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's very important too, in this whole process of forgiveness and that of people not crossing boundaries, you know, that are going to be unhealthy to them, yeah. but there are still, things that you can do without crossing those boundaries. And it's, it takes a bit of teasing it out, you know, where exactly is that for you and how to, how to do that. And then, you know, so, so it's, and, and obviously sometimes like, you know, it's kind of in the, in the area of, you know, making amends kind of that thought process too, where, well, sometimes I can't do something directly for that person that I've hurt and that I feel guilty about because it's just impossible. But what else, what am I doing in my life that is, has changed? How am I living my life that has changed that shows my understanding of, of what I've done wrong? That's kind of my thoughts on that. That uh, when you mentioned, um, okay, if I can't have direct contact with a person for whatever reason, uh, uh, what can I do for them? Uh, uh, when I'm praying for a person, I have a relationship with that person. I saw that demonstrated uh, back uh, several years ago, uh, after my father died, um, that was something I, I would bring up in my, uh, my, my group at prison. 
because uh, everybody's there is grieving. And uh, you know, so here I am grieving now, the loss of my, my father. And I remember one of the guys in my class, afterward, he came up to me and said, are you visiting your mother? You be sure you visit your mother. Your mother needs you right now. Uh, you visit your mother. And uh, I, I told her that, uh, this, this great concern this man had for it. She was just so happy to hear that. And she said, well, you tell him thank you for me, that he has that concern, which I did next time I saw him. And he said to me, well, you tell your mother that I am praying for her every night. And I knew this guy, if, if he's saying he's praying for her every night, he's praying for her every night. Uh, and I, I passed that on to my mother. And that really made her day. She was just so happy to hear of that concern and here's this friend i didn't know i had and he's taking me and my grief to the lord in prayer she took to bragging about that she'd go to church and say i get guys in prison who are praying for me uh and, and this there was this neat relationship formed this neat uh long distance relationship between two people who never ever got to meet in life but she was being prayed for by this man mm -hmm. And the circle of blessing there. Yeah. You know, this man who's unable to do so much because of where he's at is reaching out and doing something mm -hmm. which says to him, I do have worth in this world. I do have yeah. a place in this world at this point in time. I do have something I can do. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that to see relationships in that identity that our relationships flow in and out, you know, back and forth. Um, never one direction. If we're always thinking just in one direction, we're in big trouble. Yeah. Um, that I'm giving, 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 and never receiving anything. Mm. Um, and being willing to receive something. Yeah. The most wonderful thing, one day I walked into a, a hospital room, and the person recognized me and asked me if I, first of all, asked me, well, did you ride your bike to work today? Which, <laughs> yes, I had. And then I sat down. Kind of looks like you're hurting. Let's pray. And boom, she just launched into prayer, and and you know it just, wow. and I and she did that a couple of times, where you know I'd pray for her, and then she would say another prayer, and you could just see how good it made her feel. She was unable to do much else in life right now, but she could mm. pray for somebody, and that just was very powerful, mm. um, in that whole relationship, um, thing. So yeah, never to, never never to discount or, or minimize, saying to somebody. You know, this person's praying for you, or I'm praying for you, or uh, and meaning it, of course. Yeah. But I think what you're both saying, as far as this relationship, uh, that's that gets involved uh, as we're as we're praying for each other, and as um, as it kind of goes back and forth, um, kind of would be something that we could we could bring up to um, to people who are maybe looking for ways to kind of dip their toe into. Um, exploring uh, prison ministry. Um, so kind of what I, what I would ask both of you in connection with that is as people are kind of turning their minds in that direction, what are some specific ways that people can be praying for people who are in prison and who are maybe in these places where, uh, where there are these uh, kind of darker rites of passage? Boy, I, first thing that comes to my mind to shoot from the hip is uh, the, the fact that every, everybody in prison has has family uh i mean there are some instances where they've just completely distanced themselves from all family but that's 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 rare most of them they've got brothers sisters nieces nephews and usually children uh and they're grieving those uh strained relations uh so you know to pray for that pray that uh, those relationships will be uh strengthened and restored uh they you know, they really don't like the the job of parenting that they're doing right now. And so very often they're you know more concerned about their family on the outside than they are about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, worried, uh, especially in the short term that I see in jail, but but also in the long term, I would imagine in prison of you know, how are they doing, and and so you know to to be thinking of those people as well, right and. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the prayers, again, it's important to pray and for their, I think for those people in, you know, the people in prison for having people come into their life and to be positive influences in their life, to love them, yeah. for them to, to feel that love. And then, of course, you know, for them to really 
grow into that love of God for them, that they can uh, find ways to share it with others. And I think, again, that positiveness of when they can share the love that they're feeling and, and mm. do some things positively while they're in prison mm-hmm. and jail makes just a huge difference in their psyche and, and how they're thinking about themselves when they can see that they are doing some things differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a couple of things that I kind of want to circle back to because I, uh, I had, I had said that I would go into them previously, but I have not done that as of yet. Um, so uh, the first thing is the second point that I was going to bring up earlier um, when I was uh, talking about ways uh, that could be missed uh, that are um, areas for ministry. The second point that I was going to bring up there has to do with, uh, with those routines and kind of how churches can help people to uh, think through, okay, what is my plan once I get out? And more than that, help them to kind of, to kind of also start um, building those more positive habits uh, even, even before they're released from prison. And so since, since both of you have experience like with, uh, with jail and prison ministry, I kind of want to hear like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, that th- identity flows out of relationships thing. Uh, so uh, there's got to be some rhythms, some patterns, some structures that form and that form around relationships. So just to have uh, to, somebody that does uh, occasional check-ins with the person, or, or not occasional, but regular check-ins. Uh, how are you doing? How's this week been going for you? Uh, what do you have going on this week? Uh, what's 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 your plan for this week? Just that uh that that regular uh uh dependable connection with somebody who's uh, who cares uh that help is going to help people be accountable uh help, help them know you know somebody cares i i i don't want to let them down i want to i want to be good for them like they're good for me i think that has to be done very carefully mm-hmm. I, my mind went to you know is this person uh got a checklist and say did you do this 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 and this today or yeah right you know or is it more of a how are you doing like you said Mm -hmm. giving that person the ability to say you know i was gonna go do this today and i got distracted by this and did this Mm -hmm. you know and being honest instead of you know now trying to find ways to get around this checklist that somebody's giving them kind of like Mm -hmm. a po checking in maybe and to be yeah i mean that that's huge um having that i think you know, again, we talk about some routines and in a, you know, like in a spiritual sense, you know, okay, what kind of routines are they following? But at the same time, I also think of, I, I used a phrase a couple Sundays going church of Jesus teaching us to be adaptive and not reactive, which was kind of mm-hmm. what Phil was saying about how we react to things so often. Mm-hmm. How do we adapt to things? How are we acting differently and preparing for the challenges that are to come? Mm-hmm. You know, teaching them to, you know, think about the such, you know, again, in that plan for the week or plan for the day. But what are some of the things that can happen today? What are some of the thing, roadblocks that are going to come along? And, mm-hmm. and how might you respond to those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, because that's, and that, that starts, that starts in our conversations in jail because you're going back to your dorm. Mm-hmm. You know, the routine there, you know, what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond differently right. than you have? Um, how are you going to you know, do that? And so that adaptive uh, nature of things change. Mm-hmm. Um, people disappoint me. This happens. How do I react then at that point? Mm-hmm. What's my reaction going to be? The knee jerk or a planned one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing kind of parallels there even even in the lives of people who haven't been in prison so i guess uh i would say like even in my own life as 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 you all are talking kind of what i'm seeing is like this picture of um a personal reality that can be can be affected by these different things that happen in the world and how how do i react to it and kind of within that um as far as motivation looking at it from um from the perspective of relationships uh, kind of is, is this something that is more uh, rules based or is this something Mm -hmm. that is more like um, gospel based and, Mm -hmm. and how kind of we, how we're walking together. Mm -hmm. Um, 
think um, uh, when you start talking about rules-based, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, and, and of course, I'm a sinner, so I'll never do a perfect enough job. Uh, you know, we, we can develop, we, sometimes we Christians walk around with this uh, defeatist attitude. Uh, the law says I'm a sinner, and that's all I'll ever be. Instead of looking at uh, what's, what are some of the things I can aspire to? What are the things I can move toward? Uh, the people who are, who are coming out of prison desperately need that. Uh, I need to be moving towards something. And to think there's possibilities that uh, are real, realistic possibilities I haven't explored. So just you, you mentioned the guys going back to the dorm. Uh, okay, I know how that's going to go. They're gonna, somebody's going to talk stupid at me and, and, and disrespect me, and I'm going to go off on them. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's the way things have been. But to think, does it have to be that way? Are there other possibilities? Is there another possible way to handle this? You know, start to think in terms of possibilities. You know, when God gives us uh, uh, an ideal to strive for in the Bible, instead of saying, yeah, but it's impossible. But, you know, yeah, never mind that. Uh, what, how, how can we be moving toward that goal? Watch what happens with that. And I think that brings us kind of back around to the point that you made earlier about how love heals brains. Absolutely. Um, so uh, kind of going forward, but still kind of back, uh, the second point that I was going to bring up earlier, why it got us into the topic of more of the positive rites of passage, hmm. is that... Um, I think that within every within every person, there's there's this um, this tendency, this this feeling, this um, the sense of how things are supposed to be. Um, and I would kind of refer to that as kind of like the Eden syndrome. Mm-hmm. Is that after the fall, there were things that um, that were broken, but we have this picture of what it was like before. And so within us, there is this desire for connection, this desire for community. Mm-hmm. And the way that that gets, gets, feel, gets filled, um, that, that can kind of vary. And sometimes it goes into these darker cycles, but it doesn't have to do that. And I think that's really a place where, uh, where churches can also be helpful is yeah. in providing opportunities for those uh, for those more positive kind of uh, kind of outlets, um, those more positive relationships, and things that kind of take us back to okay, yes, we are living in a fallen world, but what do we do? How can we mitigate these these other things um, such that these negative cycles don't have to be? And so um, I'm gonna kind of open this up again to you um, to the both of you and see kind of. Where where are your thoughts with that? They, uh, that idea that uh, I, I hear I can form new relationships uh, with new people that have are going in a different direction than what I'm used to. Uh, you know, that's something we we can do. This this is we Christian communities have something to offer. Uh, I. I know it's intimidating. It can be intimidating to think about outreach to criminals, but I, I, I'm from such a different world than them. Uh, do I have anything to say to them? Uh, and the truth is, yeah, yeah, we all do. Um, and and they're hungry for it. Um, I'm thinking of one incident I had once where uh, uh, a, a couple had come to a, a church event, and they both had been drinking before they came, and... Uh, the guy decided while he was there that he was really mad at, at this woman and uh, uh, because he was uh, pretty much uh, sloshed, he decided, and I'm going to do something about it here and now, and he hit her. Uh, and, and then, well, we, we ended up calling the police. He, he fled, uh, called the police about the abuse going on. This, you know, this wasn't like an isolated incident. Uh, and I just remember as we were waiting for the police to come and several of us were talking to this, this, uh, poor, this woman who was just so broken up. Uh, she, she turned to me and said, do you hit your wife? And I said, no. And she said, really? Now that idea of uh, a relationship that wasn't, that didn't have violence, that was new, that was novel, uh, yeah, this is something we can offer. Uh, if you 
if you got a, a a life that's very different from maybe the lives of the people you're you're reaching out to, hey, that may be a very good thing. They may be hungry for it. Mm-hmm. The norm, you know, the identity flows out of relationship. The norms of your close community become your norms. Well, here's a chance to have a different norm in your life. Yeah. And I think that idea is is definitely important because uh, one of the things that can come up is this idea of I'm so different. Um, how can I possibly speak into these situations or or be or or help in any way? And I think what you're pointing to is really this this idea that because you are different, because you you can't really identify with this, that could actually be something that God uses in these relationships to kind of to kind of help you to be to be a light to show that there is a different way. And and also kind of going back again to your point of uh, love healing brains, um, because of because of that um, that healthiness, like that can be something that enables you to to love even even more from like from a healthy place, and that can be something that can can be healing. Mm, and so we can't that. underestimate that. Yep. Yeah, we've got something to offer. We've got we're already in a good place. I, you know, any, anybody who's got a relationship with Jesus, anybody who's got uh, a, a network of people that uh, believe in Jesus and follow Him, we, we've got something to offer already. Never, never be afraid to to use that and start from that base. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you have any thoughts? I, I do. Um, the you know, like your conversation with the, the woman, Phil, you know, where you you say, no, no, I don't do that. And then, you know, just thinking of, uh, like you say, we can we can reiterate the rules. You know, that's a sin. We don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, to demonstrate authentically, you know, when we've, you know, failed, when we've broken the rules, when we've sinned, um, mm-hmm. To, to actually, you know, apologize, ask for forgiveness, you know, that, that route. Very, there was a very powerful situation in the in the jail one day where um, I'm having a class and all of a sudden the CEO shows up at the door, says, I got to talk to him. You know, points his finger at a guy and takes him out in the hallway to talk to him. And went out there for a couple minutes. And then the, the man comes back in for class and he sits down and he just had this stunned look on his face. And he said that, you know, he's, uh, I just, I just, I'm just blown away. Earlier in the day, he and that officer had had some words. And, you know, he had, the, the inmate was drawing a little bit. And then the officer kind of came down on him and said some things. And, you know, kind of the way things go, kind of the normal for the situation. And then end of the day, and it was the officer's end of the day, and he, searched this guy out and came and apologized to him for his side of the altercation. And he told me later, he said, even if I'm 10% wrong, I need to talk about that 10%. And and it was just the whole group, just their their jaws just, you know, opened up, you know, it was just like, wow. Um, In that very, very public situation that we actually, Mm. you know, admit our failures to somebody, Um, you know, we, Again, we can fall into that um, mode of being a savior uh, for these people. I'm your savior. And so everything I do has to be right. And I have to show you everything right. I can't admit to being wrong because what kind of savior would that be? Um, And yet it's very powerful when we could admit I failed here. I'm struggling Mm. with this. You know, um, this is huge. Could, could, I, I never thought of that before. We've, I've already got one sinless savior. I don't need another one. Yeah, I need some. I need some messed up saviors now. Yeah, and I, I, I love how we're bringing it back around to authenticity because, because uh, you're right. Um, there's, there's some. There is definitely power in in being authentic and being able to admit when we've uh, when we've messed up. Um, I think that was also something that we, we touched on, um, 
in a in a different um we call this live stream podcast <laughs> technically both at this point um was this idea of of authenticity and how that how that is is powerful mm-hmm. um, mark did you have any have any other thoughts that you wanted to kind of connect with that or well just on that authenticity part it's mm-hmm. So often, and kind of going back to, you know, my norm is so different than their norm. What do I have to say in this? How, how do I even relate to this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so sometimes we, you know, give it up to, well, the alcoholic reaching out to the alcoholic, the former incarcerated person to the former incarcerated person. They're the ones that are going to really get them. And, and there's a truth to that. But even if we don't have any, you know, direct relationship and sense of some of these uh, experiences in life, they seem so far apart. We do have a lot of things in common. You know, we're all sons or daughters. Many of maybe mothers or fathers, uh, you know, that we, there are, there are things we have in common and, and mm-hmm. seems like all human beings have this need for these relationships and for acceptance, for love. Um, and that's very common, even though our experiences in life and maybe how we've experienced things are very, very different, but our desires are really the same. And yeah. that reminds start. me, there's, um, there's this quote that I'm going to be massively paraphrasing, um, that basically, um, talks about like our, our understanding of grace and, um, coming into like, a more full understanding of what grace is mean it means that we understand that we are all we are all beggars like in need of it um yeah that was a massive paraphrase and i'm not sure exactly who said the original (laughs) i think luther said something like that veers in betler (laughs) as is far we're we are beggars this is the truth Well, I guess it's I guess it's good we got a Luther quote in there somewhere. <laughs> but um, I think in German. <laughs> I think this would be a good place for us to kind of uh, kind of close. Um, before we do, are there are there any uh, any closing thoughts that either of you would like to kind of add to the conversation? Uh I, I can't say enough about that uh, yeah, that episode that you, you mentioned, Mark, that uh, you know, what kind of norms do people need to be introduced to? What kind of new norms in this new relationship? And boy, the, the norm of I don't have to be strong all the time. I'm not strong all the time. I, I'm weak and I, and I blow it. And, uh, uh, and there's forgiveness for me and uh, I can uh, make amends. I can admit it. Uh, I don't have to, to put on this front of uh, being strong all the time. Uh, desperately needed. And so we, we need to model it uh, to these people who desperately need to, to have that new norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to quote what you said, love heals minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that also kind of brings us to, um, brings us to a quote from a very well-known song. Um, this is basically the, the key to, to being stronger, or at least one of them is realizing that we are weak, but he is strong. That's right. <laughs> and, I like yeah. that. All right. So it's time to pray out. Um, as usual, I will let the pastors duke it out on who gets that right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're both on One, two, three. Okay. Well, I guess. Oh. Okay. I win. Does that mean that you you pray or uh, okay? I'll do it. Lord Jesus, uh, the identity you've given us, uh, being members of the kingdom, uh, 
people who are are loved uh, by Almighty Creator, uh, uh, children of the Lord of the Universe, loved children. Uh, we want to live in that identity, and we want to invite other people into that this wonderful identity. It's a it's a good place to be. Thank you, thank you for everything you did to make that possible and help us to help us to live that to the fullest. And uh, all the people who are just struggling for an identity that uh, uh, are are so desperate to belong, uh, desperate to be someone that they're doing these destructive things. Uh, well, first of all, help us to see our, our commonality. Help us to all to see where I've done that. And help us all to work together, all of us, to see a different possibility, a, more, uh, a way better possibility. Uh, I can live loved. I can live a life of receiving love and giving love. Uh, I I'm a valuable valuable person to God, and I can I can be valuable to other people as well. Praying for that for all, ourselves and for uh, all the people that uh, are still struggling with that, especially the people who are wearing orange or green or whatever the, the incarceration colors are. Lift ourselves, we lift our congregations up, and uh, asking for all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Also, it just dawned on me that um, since since we are going to be making a podcast out of this, um, people should probably know that the reason why we were talking about paper and scissors earlier is because oh. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil and Mark were playing rock, paper, scissors to see who would get to pray. That's right. Yeah. Um, that, is, that is a perfectly acceptable way of determining that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Thank you to everyone for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you, Phil and Mark, for being here. And well, yeah. um, thanks yeah. for putting this together. All right. And again, happy Labor Day. Hi, everyone. My name is Ruth Jefferson. And I'm Phil Merton. And we're coming to you from the Stronger Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Stronger is a podcast uh, we bring to you every other week. And it's geared toward ministry to people who have been in corrections facilities, returning citizens coming out of corrections and uh, coming into our communities and coming into congregations. You you hear us coming to you um, biweekly during the um, during our live streams and podcasts and things like that. But we are more than just a biweekly ministry. That's right. We're actual people. We we can talk to you uh, outside of podcasts. We can. We have a life. Um, so if you are a returning citizen coming out of prison and you're looking to, to have someone to reach out to or some resources, we can help you with that. And if you're part of a congregation or if you're an individual who's working to welcome returning citizens, love to hear from you about that, too. Um, and if you want to share with us a video about how you've how you've been putting the things from the stronger podcast into practice, we'd love to we'd love to hear that. Um, yeah, I I really would love to hear how is has this been helping? How has it been helping? How have you put it to work? What can we do more of? What can we do better? Uh, please let us know. Yeah, and you can email us about that, or or you can send us a message on Facebook. And if you do that in video form, you'll get the chance for that video to be highlighted on our social media, so that other people can find out how the things that you've learned from Stronger are kind of helping you, either as an individual or as a ministry. You'll be famous, <laughs> just like Ruth and I are famous. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but. <laughs> But it will it will give other people a chance to connect with these materials and help to get the word out so that other people can see some of those same benefits that you're seeing. And also, because we are available more than biweekly and we, we do have connections that we make outside of the internet, if you're looking to set up a ministry for your church or if you want someone who can speak with your church or with your group about ministry to returning citizens, we can help you with that as well. And uh, we're always looking to uh, expand our, our own knowledge. We've, we've got some experience uh, with this, but so do a lot of other people from a lot of different angles. So we'd love to hear if you're 
a congregation, uh, part of a congregation is doing this ministry, tell us, how's it gone? What's worked? What hasn't worked? If you're a returning citizen, I'd uh, love to hear from you. What's worked? What hasn't worked? We, we need to put this picture together and see how can we together be stronger. Would you see that? Yeah. I, I tied in the name of it at the end, Ruth. Do you see that? Nice work. with all of that you're probably also wondering what that email address is or you can also actually reach us by phone our uh, the email address you can reach us at is admin at voiceofthemiddleground.com again that's admin at voiceofthemiddleground.com and phil uh what's that phone number if you want to get a hold of us at institutional ministries headquarters that phone number is four one four two five nine four three seven zero again that's four one four two five nine four three seven zero again thanks for listening